Hello, and welcome to our Seeking Health podcast. I'm Anjuska. And I am Josiah. We were missionaries for years. Until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. Right now, I am a Christian, but not an evangelical. And I am an agnostic. And we are deconstructing. And reconstructing. Together. together. <laughs> Listen to some of our key episodes, such as... Deconstructing Together. Domestic Abuse, I'm a Survivor. The Cult of ATI Part 1 and 2, and Dehumanized by Purity Culture. Join us on our journey as we seek health together. Today is our oldest child's 13th birthday, and that's just crazy. That's kind of crazy. He was born 13 years ago. So as I'm planning his birthday party, we're in full like lockdown quarantine here right now where we're living. So that all the plans that we had for his birthday party, like have this really fun 13th birthday party with friends. Well, that all went out the window. So I tried to find little ways to make his day really special today. Did the best I could. (laughs) But as I prepare for that, I've just been thinking a lot about my 13th birthday. Mm -hmm. Um... And it's kind of interesting, like it's really interesting to be at the stage where we have kids at ages that we remember ourselves. Like I really, you know, you you get memories through your childhood that you remember, but it's just memories like here and there. I mean, like it's not necessarily as clear, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but my 13th birthday, like I really remember it. there's some memories that your subconscious categorizes as important. Yeah. This was a formative, important time. Yeah. And what it was, I mean, like, I'm from a f- fundamental, conservative, Christian, evangelical mm-hmm. <laughs> family, uh, pastor's home and all that, and homeschooled. And um, So my 13th birthday, I freaking hated it. It was terrible. Like, and it's not... It's not that nothing happened, that I didn't have a birthday. I don't remember anything. Like, I don't remember if if my parents made a cake. I don't remember, like, I must not have had a birthday party. I don't remember it. And I think I would usually remember it because I love gatherings mm-hmm. and get-togethers. Um, the neighbor gave me earrings. That's all I remember mm. from it. Like, I don't remember relating to my family, any special celebration or anything like that. But what I remember is dreading it with such a passion i usually plan my birthdays months ahead of time but that birthday i hated it i wished i could not have it and the whole reason for that is because i was becoming a teenager and the word teenager had become so laden with horrible words like rebellious um (laughs) I'm like going blank but like the whole term teenager was talked about as so negative like disobeying parents dressing badly being rebellious drugs and alcohol and smoking and all this thing rock and roll and running out away from home or all these things and I just heard so much bad about teenagers that I hated the fact that I was becoming a teenager because now I was being lumped in with these people. Mm -hmm. And so for that birthday, every time someone's like, oh, you're a teenager now. And they were so excited for me. People outside my family Mm -hmm. (laughs) were so excited about it. I just cringed inside and I, I hated it. It was terrible to be called a teenager. 
because to me it was like being called a really bad name mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like being called i don't know like um almost being called stupid or something yeah. like it it's is um I won't be able to say this name right, but like de- derogatory. Der- derogatory? Yes, that. <laughs> this is a good time to remind our new listeners that my wife is second language English and she does <laughs> excellent. Except for certain words. <laughs> Except for certain words. But I can see how to write it. <laughs> she's way better in English it. than I am in French. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, being called a teen was... A derogatory term. Yeah, it really, really was. And I remember fast forward a few years to when I turned 20 and I was so excited because I was like, finally, finally, I'm no longer a teenager. And now as a almost 38 year old mom of a 13 year old, I look at, I think back of that and I'm like, what a burden for seven years to hate the age that you are Mm -hmm. because it's, a teen in the yeah. n- word of the name <laughs> of your age you're a teenager yeah and that was just icky and gross and terrible mm-hmm. um so yeah like having my son turn 13 just brings up a lot of these thinking and then i think like why was that like now i see it and i'm excited for my son yeah. to turn 13 will there be some development changes of course there'll be development changes over the next seven years he has to figure out who he is but i think that's the beauty of teenager yeah it is like is trial is trying things is learning who you are is experimenting is making mistakes and learning from it and that's it's a stage for the rest of your life whereas i find like i was the perfect teen because i was so so determined to not be a teenager <laughs> you were the perfect evangelical teen. yes the perfect evangelical teen i didn't rebel i didn't you know none of those things like i didn't smoke i didn't drink i didn't do parties i didn't do any of those things because i did not want to be the typical teenager that was talked about mm-hmm. badly in circles but now that I've like this whole past year of learning to deconstruct him, like I have to figure out who the fuck I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is who I should have figured out as a teenager. Not that you don't change along life. You do. You have to refigure out who you are like along the way. You know, when you become a mom, when your kids are growing up or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had a similar experience this last year too. Of like, I feel like I'm a teenager. I want to listen yeah. to rock and roll. And I want to... <laughs> Yeah, well, I was, I've been back and forth. I, th- I think I'll jump in and share a little bit of my story because it's a little bit different. Like, mm-hmm. because, like, my family, it, it wasn't the same thing as far as derogatory. Like, they probably almost, because rebellion was such a part of the ethos of my family, they probably encouraged that a little bit. But when I think of my adolescence, I think of, like, being smothered with pillows almost. Like, I just, I was never given any space to do anything that was my own everything like it just was um there's a podcast way back when you can listen to on covert narcissism and basically my mom is a covert narcissist which is a a big concept that maybe we don't need to get into but she would compete with her own kids and um and it was just hard to find space to grow and so 
that was part of like you know being an adolescent being a teenager you need to have some space to spread your wings and make some mistakes and do things that are meaningful i remember telling myself or telling a mentor like i just want to do something wrong and feel the consequences of it so i can at least know that i'm alive like i just i didn't have any of that space but i i do think beyond the narcissism that because my parents were very very religious that it did tie into this evangelical like fear of adolescence like our parents were very different in how they approached it but i think on both of our sides it was like there's no mechanism there's no encouraging your kids to just be teenagers you know go out there and make some mistakes go go be with your friends go you know even party responsibly go you know figure out what kind of music you like figure out you know get some terrible jobs and, and get out there in the world and have some experiences travel the globe maybe you know like other parents do that and our parents it was like keep them away from the world keep them away very and, sheltered away and keep this like keep this adolescent thing this thing that's happening where they're becoming independent and becoming their own person like we need to shut that down in some way like we need to tell them it's terrible and icky to be a teenager or else just kind of cut them off at every turn when they start to grow it's, like, it's also a way that you can you can't control anymore if you let them experiment mm -hmm. and learn and grow to be their own person you lose control over that they do that that teen but that's part of parenting as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you can't control them. It should them. be part of parenting. Like it, yeah, and you should be able to slowly release them and guide them along the way without controlling what they need to believe and what they need to do and what they need to say. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that's, that fear of letting go is partially part of the religion? Because if you, if you let them go and they believe the wrong things, they go to hell. Well, yeah, and you don't want your... You know, like as a parent, a Christian parent, like we, we would hear stories of other, of kids that leave the good, perfect home, like that have like these seemingly perfect Christian homes that are raised in it. And the kids grow up and completely rebel and completely leave the faith and the church. And, and you hear all these stories and it's like, well, like we can't have that happen to our family. Mm -hmm. Um, there is the fear that, um, if they do go too crazy, well, maybe they'll make mistakes that will never be acceptable in the church anymore. You know, like being a single parent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's so terrible. <laughs> like, our, it's so visible. It brings shame, you yeah. know? Like, but, um, yeah, of going to hell or of just having bad influences. But I think it also brings fear, like, the certain guidelines. If you want to be a leader in the church, mm -hmm. your kids have to be well-behaved. Yeah. For me, my dad was pastor, so mm -hmm. kids can't be misbehaved, right? Like, we were always yeah. <laughs> held to that standard um, and uh, wanting to have that perfect image in front. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I do think that adding religion to the mix makes it worse because it adds all these other dimensions and layers. And you can't figure out who you are. You're supposed to figure out who you're supposed to be under Jesus. Mm -hmm. right yeah that's another it was interesting what you said that it like we talk some christians talk about the narrow road like there's a narrow road that leads to salvation but how much narrower do we make it when it's like you can't have any 
big mistakes in your life or else yeah. you can never be a pastor or be accepted. And I think we make the n- narrow road even narrow because we're so scared of our kids going too close to the line mm-hmm. that we bring that we bring the the fence even closer in mm-hmm. and then we bring it even closer in. So it's like, okay, so you shouldn't have sex before you're married. Okay, well, we'll make it so that you shouldn't even date before you're ready for marriage. And, we'll, and then we'll make it, well, you shouldn't date, you should court. Or you bring it to a point where well, you shouldn't even kiss before you get married. Like, that's more what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I think this is much more extreme than the Bible would have said that it should be. But we're so scared of our of losing control of our kids and our kids crossing too many lines. They're like, well, if we bring it more in and more in and more in, make it even more narrow, then... They're much more likely to like not go too far, even yeah. if they break one or two. <laughs> yeah, but that's control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something else you said is like you don't figure out who you are really; you figure out who you are in Jesus. Which, like, I do think there is a religious component to humanity. I don't think that you can, like, it is important to figure out your faith. Like, and that is an important aspect of, of being human. But that's not the only dimension. Like, there's also what do you like? Like, what, what are the things that light you up? What are the things that you can focus intently on for a long time and gain satisfaction from? What sort of people do you like hanging out with? What sort of music do you like? What, what's, what's your style? Like, who are you? And, you know, we've got five kids and they've all got, they're completely different people, right? But if we would push them all into one mold, you know, it it wouldn't become apparent that they're different people necessarily. Yeah. You'd have one kid that does really well and one kid that struggles because they don't fit the mold. Yeah. And that's part of adolescence is you give them a bit of freedom to figure out who they are. Yeah. But then they might become something that doesn't fit with your type of church. Yeah. Because churches have personalities and, and sometimes it's like there's only one mold. This is how you're supposed to be. You're supposed yeah. to be quiet. You're supposed to be studious, or, or you're supposed to be energetic and, and outgoing. And, um, well, that that brings me to also like one of the strong teachings that I remember with a church and growing up. It's like you don't waste time. Your mm. God gives you time, and it's a gift, and you can never get it back. Mm-hmm. So you cannot waste time. You have to use your time wisely. You have to be wise. So then, as a teenager. <laughs> I think part of figuring out yourself will look like wasting time, but it's not necessarily wasting time. Yeah. Like even trying different hobbies and things and not being hyper-focused on which one will become a job later or which one will bring money or which one, you know, like just to experiment different things and try different things. Like mm-hmm. it might look like a waste of time, but you learn who you are through it. Yeah. Um, or tying it into dating even like I know that's a whole other topic in itself but like we I was taught so much like you don't date until you're ready for marriage and preferably like you marry the first person you date you know (laughs) because otherwise you've given part of your heart away to someone and you'll never get it back Mm -hmm. Um, but on the other hand if you have dated someone else or other people you learn what you're looking for and what yeah. works well for you through personal experience. Mm-hmm. How else can you try it out? Like, <laughs> how else can you 
try out different personalities and different you like can't how try it, to it after the fact. No, so then you end up with marriages that are not good. Yeah. So like, I mean, you and I, we never dated anyone else before each other. Mm-hmm. We kind of locked out. We locked out absolutely. Like it's, 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 it's completely locked out. Yeah. I'm like, we didn't really know each other, and we never exper- like experimented, just having. A relationship a friendship yeah with someone of the opposite sex yeah. like how do you learn yourself or who you need to be with or like what's compatible yeah like it and that i think is also part of teenagehood yeah and should there be some guidelines and some help for sure like it's not a free-for-all mm-hmm. it's not because my son's 13 that suddenly he can do whatever the heck he wants <laughs> like of course not but this I'm excited for this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear how hard it's going to be and stuff. And I'm not saying that it won't be hard in the years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's learning. We're learning to parent him. <laughs> yeah. um, we're learning to let him go in this new stage. But I'm excited because he's going to figure out who he is outside of us. And what he believes outside of us. And that is such yeah. an important stage that so many of the people in the magical circles that I've grown up with have not had. Mm-hmm. And it's way harder to find it later in life. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's really the time of um, trial runs and mistakes that are not costly. Yeah. You know, like... Like you get a bad job or one that hardly pays anything mm-hmm. and or or like a contract job like you had like thinning bush mm-hmm. and you get paid by the work you do well you didn't make hardly any money mm-hmm. but you learned lessons learned. from that yeah. and i remember when we first started getting together you had a job and you just wanted to job hop mm-hmm. and i was like well now you can't just do that and you're like oh i guess i do have to be more serious now like mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna have to support a family possibly if this relationship goes to marriage you know like mm-hmm. and I mean, that's the good thing. It's to learn it then. Yeah. Not learning once you're married and have a couple of kids because, you know, you get pregnant right away and all these <laughs> things. Like, <laughs> And then you're still job hopping. Like, that's yeah. that's terrible for the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes, teenagehood is super important. Yeah. It should not be this evil word and negative term. And, yeah, I guess I'm so trying to think like how how did I come to have it as such a negative thing and I hated it and still remember how much I hated it with a passion to turn 13 and how relieved I was to turn 20 mm-hmm. <laughs> well two things that that stand out to me in how our parents generation tended to think of it and speak of it is teens are always pushing boundaries and they're so difficult right they're so difficult and the one thing I think of is the boundaries that our parents put on us were not realistic. No. Like they didn't follow those. <laughs> they didn't follow them. But they want us to follow them because they knew better now. They wanted to save us the heartache. <laughs> but maybe there wouldn't be so much boundary pushing if there weren't such ridiculous rules. <laughs> yes. Right? That's one thing I'm thinking. But the other thing I'm thinking is it's all about them in the way that right. our parents' generation talked about us. Like, oh, teenagers oh the misery it's so hard and it's like it was fucking hard to be a teenager well yeah (laughs) especially with with well anyways 
We've adding talked. hormones and adding changing well, bodies yeah. and adding and and having parents <laughs> that are too afraid to talk to us about sex. Yeah. And so we have to figure it out on our own. <laughs> and we're also told that like hell is real and you know lust is is the same as rape and all these messages that make everything so much worse and like no that wonder was hard. being a teenager is freaking hard. <laughs> but like the way that people tend and it, maybe it's not only in the church it is kind of society that tends to talk about teenagers as oh they're so hard mm-hmm. it's like stop to think about the teenager perspective it's a difficult stage of life but it's also exciting and how about we like care here's re- something revolutionary how about we care more about our kids than we do about ourselves yeah because it's kind of the foundation of their life yeah like, it does yeah. seem like it's a stage that needs to happen de- developmentally. Like, yeah. children, you just input. You just, you know, click, drag, and drop. Here's <laughs> here's my beliefs. Now they're your beliefs, you know? And and little, you know, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old kids aren't questioning you. Like, they might, they might say no, mom, or they might ask questions, but basically they're not questioning you. They're just absorbing. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point... They need to question. They need to... And I think they need to know that they have the freedom yeah. to not believe the same thing as you believe yeah. as a parent. Like, Without the parent you don't believe out. in six-day literal creation? Get the hell out of my house. You're kicked mm-hmm. out forever. Like, <laughs> it, But in many homes, very conservative fundamentalist homes, that is the case. You mm-hmm. cannot have a different belief. Or you're in trouble. So, yeah. like, your survival cope technique has to be to not question anything. Because if you have different beliefs, it just won't work. Mm-hmm. So, it's a survival skill. Yeah. So, it's like my teenage years were very smooth. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I dared not have different beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and then fast forward two decades and shucks now i have very different beliefs and my family could care less about me now <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it's like you have to be or, free to have different beliefs or to say it a different way they don't know how to handle you true like yeah you've just become a person that they have yeah no it's more that point of contact with anymore because you know 38 the, years was based on faith as the common ground well, it seems as though what what fundamentalism has tried to do, because it's so terrified of adolescence in this this growing period, is just to to try and keep people in that childish state where you're not thinking for mm. yourself. You're just absorbing what I say, and then we'll pass you off to a pastor and, or a, to a, um, a husband and, oh. or a Bible school and a husband and a pastor, and you're going to stay under somebody else's teaching submissive to the man until you die and so you'll never have your own thoughts but then all of a sudden when people either push against that and they become rebellious or at some point they just deconstruct deconstruct (laughs) then like there's no gradual process it's just like oh they backslid you know well for me it was very immediate it was very very quick belief change um but I think it was building up to this point. Yeah. And I do feel like not having freedom as a teenager to explore different beliefs outside of my parents or to ask questions 
definitely affected that. I do remember actually in um, one belief that I completely challenged in my parents and the reaction was so strong that I completely took it back and no, you know, like it, it wasn't an option. It was mm-hmm. not an option to have a different belief. Yeah. Um, out loud. Yeah. Yeah. So you can create a, a double world and you have your beliefs of your own that you have to keep hidden, which is something that happens a lot. I feel like the conservative Christian groups create liars and hypocrites because you have to create a double life. Yeah. Because what is being pushed on you is not reasonable. It's not reasonable for you to free will agree with your parents and everything. Well, some people, some of the kids do that mm-hmm. and others just tune out to it. Like stop, kind of stop having your own thoughts or processing and yeah. just adopt the family beliefs and make it your own. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I stopped really questioning. I had a couple things that I was questioning, but mostly I just adopted it and studied it. But it was also what was being taught almost 24 seven in the home. Um, and in the church that my family pastored, <laughs> and then like, you know, it was just so surrounded with it and isolated with it. No youth group, no public school, no, you know, exterior influences isolated from the world. So I just accepted the beliefs. So I was a all in teenager and young adult. Um, but sh- man, the crash was hard once I w- allowed the questions, mm-hmm. the questioning to come. Yeah. There really are some processes, human processes that you can't, you can't just shut it down forever. Like at a certain point, it's got to come. I think some shut it down forever, but uh, it really affects health. Yeah. yeah. I was just reading something about like just suppressing a lot of stress or emotions or, or toxic um, homes um, really leads to a lot of autoimmune um, diseases. Not all of them, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, that's really interesting. I'm on a Facebook group for like um, a certain, I don't want to say too precisely because, you know, it's a private group, but um, people from fundamental background and it's always shocking to me how many people on there have autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think there's a link here. (laughs) Like, I think I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I've seen like, I'm sure from a distance people are like, Oh, she's not a Christian and he is, that must be hard. But I've just seen so much growth and I've seen like, you've become a full real person like in a in a new and more colorful way than ever before with with this whole process and kind of and I think I have as well like in this past year and a half or two years just kind of becoming ourselves and and allowing ourselves the space to think and grow I think it's it is really important to have that and and it's a great gift that if we can give that to our kids to not to just cast them out there and be like go out there and make your own mistakes but here's the sandbox where it's safe yeah and we can give you guidance and wisdom and also as you're young you know the, the price tag is low but go you know experiment and make mistakes and, and yeah. find things out for yourself i mean like one of the things that we're already doing with our kids is they 
they save their money. They do mm-hmm. jobs and save money and they go out and buy things and sometimes they buy too much candy and then this video game that comes along and they want to buy it and they don't have the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just a, a small introduction to it. And as you become a teenager, <clears throat> or maybe you want to buy something bigger and you'll have to have saved your money, you know, mm-hmm. and like, it seems insignificant, but it leads to learning how to manage your money. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start small and grow with it. Um, and if they mess it up, they mess it up. It's yeah. not a big deal at this point. <laughs> and you don't, and you don't need to shame them and make no. it sound like it's a terrible thing. It's just no. You don't if even they have to point it out, it's just oh, they okay, need more well, money, money. It's like, well, go clean a bathroom. Yeah, that's <laughs> 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 a job. Yeah, <laughs> and then you get money for that. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so I have a question for you. Um, I want to re-ask a question that I asked two podcasts ago because I oh. felt like it, uh, it came out wrong. Okay. So I had asked you, what is more important, uh, sins against individuals or against the community? And you said it depends. But I think what I meant to say is, what's more important, sins against individuals or against the institution? Sin against the individual? I would think so. Yeah. Because, like... And we had talked two podcasts ago about how, you know, there's churches and society, like churches create their own subcultures and they have a society and it has to work in a certain way, which is why feminism is so dangerous to a lot of Christian churches or fundamentalist churches because they're set up in a patriarchal way. Yeah. And you can't just change that. No. Like it's set up in a certain way. And like there are things like it is an institution it is a society that like it does need rules it needs a structure it needs a structure and like we've become concerned with this in the past when when a certain like there's things that can threaten the structure you know if people come in and and they're pushing certain ideas that only some people agree with and, and they're pushing them really hard like that could break the structure it could it could ruin the church or split the church so um, I understand the need to protect the structure. Like there is some, okay, we need to, we need to watch out for that. But that desire to protect the structure can become overbearing. Mm-hmm. And there could be a temptation to say, let's just destroy anything or suppress anything that could hurt the structure. And I think teenagers are one of the things that is the most destructive to the structure. Right. Because what do they do? They're unpredictable. <laughs> they, you know, the youth group comes in and they're loud and they make messes. They ruin our nice carpet that we sp- saved all this money for. And they're bringing in their rock music. They and jumped on the couch. They jumped <laughs> on the couch. Um, they want drums. They want drums in church. <laughs> now they're, you know, invited their friends. Now they with tattoos in the church and like. Oh, dear. Oh, we found out somebody that's playing guitar. He's living with his girlfriend. And what are we going to do about that? You know, and, <laughs> you know, it just brings all this mess. Right. And then if they're, you know, more central members, hey, they're starting to ask questions about our doctrine and our theology. And it's it's messing with they want to be part of the leadership. And like they're only 15. Like, why should they be? You know, it just it messes with things. And so I think it is easier to try and clamp that down. Mm-hmm. And just try and keep them adolescent and I think or keep them like as children. And I think that the main way that that our previous generation and current generation tries to control kids 
is by repressing them sexually. Because once kids start becoming teenagers and then once they get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, then all of a sudden that creates a unit. Right. You know, like like now they they're are team. their own society. They're their own team. Yeah. And then pretty soon they're going to go get married or they're going to start living together. And then they're gone. You know, you, you have no control now. And so I think that's probably why sex has become such an important thing for evangelicals to shut down within mm. teenagers. Because at that point, when your kid becomes a teen that then forms a romantic attachment, you're gone. They're gone. You don't have that same level of control over them. Yeah. And that's not acceptable for... For a lot of people i think also kind of repressing a lot of this outward expression and questioning it also just reflects well on the yeah. church and the family because you have these kids that are respectful to mm -hmm. everyone they never lose their temper mm -hmm. they dress not like teens <laughs> mm -hmm. they don't drink alcohol and they didn't try smoking and they didn't try weed mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and they aren't sleeping around and they're not yeah like slutty or like you know like <laughs> no one should say that really but no. like um so it just gives a good image mm -hmm. and I can see that. Like, yeah. I can see the appeal of that. Like, you want a good image, especially because, you know, we're representing Christ. Mm -hmm. So we have to have a good image. But not at the expense of the individual. Yeah. So how do you think we can do better? We've mentioned a few things already. But there's extremes. Like, we don't want to just offer no support. But no, then we don't want to. So, I mean, I'm speaking as someone who's been a mom to a teenager for less than a day. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't feel like I can really say what we can do better. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I guess what I'm hoping <laughs> is that we can continue what we've laid been laying down as groundwork of giving him more and more freedom, mm -hmm. but also. If when there if there's an attitude problem that you know the teacher brings up, we deal with it. We talked with him about it, and he's not in trouble, per se. But we talk about it, and why it's important, mm -hmm. and giving more responsibilities. Like, okay, we'll hire you to babysit the younger siblings for two hours. Okay, great. That's responsibility, and he's had to change diaper, which he never would have wanted before. But you know, he did it, and giving him jobs to do so he makes money, but then he's also responsible to buy his own video games. And just, like, we've already been laying the groundwork of that for the last several years. And I think I just want that to continue, but it will just grow more through the teen years where it's not just like little pocket change and stuff, but you know, eventually a job outside the home. It's like, go mm -hmm. get a job. Give, and then you'll be responsible for your own cell phone mm -hmm. and you're just adding on some of the responsibility without burdening yeah um but just kind of growing the responsibility and letting him question letting him even read books that i may not uh, know what mm -hmm. it is and trust him that and trust him with that to some extent you know like and even like he likes to do some things on the computer online 
but we have filters in place mm-hmm. and we can check but we're also not like <laughs> cramping down like you can only be on a computer that is in the main area where right. everybody can see at any given time mm-hmm. no like it that's kind of overbearing in my mind i can see why but Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I guess as a mom of a teen for less than 24 hours, <laughs> that is my hope. It's just to continue what I feel like we've already laid the groundwork mm-hmm. of. Um, just ever increasing responsibility and freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- maybe maybe a different way to say that is what what do we hope to do better or different than our parents? Because that we remember. (laughs) We don't want to repeat some of those things. Well, I also don't want it to be like... um, I feel like teenagers will push our buttons. Mm -hmm. um, Bring out vulnerable parts of us. or, I mean, like if he starts to question certain things of the faith, it's going to be hard for you. Mm -hmm. Because you hold on to that. Mm -hmm. But he has to go through his own processing. Yeah. Without it feeling like it's a personal insult or personal slap in the face Mm -hmm. you know so i guess i guess i'm hoping that to do that different just let him explore without taking it personally yeah yeah and i'm hoping i remember when i was a teen i read jim elliott's autobiography and he mentioned in there that when he turned 13, his dad said he wouldn't spank him anymore. That, which is... <laughs> we this don't is spank. back in the day. But we anyways, don't spank. We don't for... spank. <laughs> um, but I was spanked as a kid. Mm-hmm. And even well into teen years, it was like, you do this or else you have this harsh punishment, was how I was parented. Like, well, I mean, until <laughs> until I cut contact as an adult. <laughs> yeah. It was still like, <laughs> you do this, it's my way or the highway, you know, and... Literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I said, I choose the highway. That's actually what I wrote. Not to him, but to a letter that wasn't sent. Anyways, a uh, different podcast. But uh, something that we've done for a long time with the kids is develop trust. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a conversation with the older boys a little while ago about internet filters and just making sure that things weren't happening. And um, yeah, and... and uh, he mentioned that, um, well, I said, like, you know, the more that we have trust, the more you have freedom. And he said, you know, like, it's just like how, how um, you've trusted us with certain things before, and we honored that, so you gave us more freedom. And so it was a concept that he understood and that he internalized. And that Who he, is that? That was, cor- that was the oldest. Had our said son. That. Okay. Yeah, our son, yeah. No longer Jim Elliot. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Jumping all over the place here. Okay. But that difference between, like, I trust you as a person and I want the best for you versus here's the rule. If you disobey it, you get a yeah. consequence. That's a huge difference. Yeah. It's really that mentality behind. Especially when it's like, I don't know why that rule is there and it feels arbitrary and it feels like you're just pushing my buttons. And so many in these types of homes, I feel like can't even question that. No. If you ask a question trying to understand why that rule is there, it's seen as disrespect and rebellion and shut it down. You should be obeying with, like you should be obeying by faith. Like you should be trusting your parents that we know what is best Mm because we're older than you Mm -hmm. and we're over you. But 
that's not adult life. No. As an adult, you do question. You know, that's that's not preparing them to be a fully functional adult. That's preparing them to be a low-level employee in a bad job. Because a good job, you would question the boss in, a, in an appropriate way, not, not yelling well, yeah, at his face. Yeah, that's the thing. But, it's teaching how to do it in appropriate ways. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's so sad how some of these families are set up so dictatorially. And they're even taught this is how God operates and this is how things are supposed to be is that you don't question God you don't question your father you don't question and then it it shuts down their ability to have to make up their own mind to think on their own and to have conversations with authority figures well as a young 20 some years old like we wanted to get married and we suddenly didn't have parental approval anymore to get married and that was extremely difficult for me because even though I was an adult I was in my early 20s I felt like if I didn't obey those over me my parents who were not who had taken away their blessing for us to get married that I would be getting away from God's blessing and my life would no longer be blessed that was extremely difficult to work through so this like finding independence in my early 20s was laden and added all this religious trauma to it this mm -hmm. religious language to it that made it so hard to trust my gut mm -hmm. i trusted my gut that i should marry you and we're great together <laughs> like, yeah. and and i knew that we should get married but then this language in my head of religion was speaking like you're not going to have God's blessing anymore because your dad is not blessing it. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's not okay <laughs> to mm -hmm. add that kind of language. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do think like biblically speaking that like it, the first, uh, first couple chapters of the Bible, it says a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the word man is the generic word for human being so it can refer to a woman as well that <gasps> there's a leaving you leave your parents before you get married and different cultures do it different ways i don't think that that's prescribing a certain way to do it but there is this basic concept that you like you do have a leaving point and you you have a separation point and you you shouldn't have kids in their 30s and 40s and, and 50s that are still you know, part of the of their parents' family unit necessarily. If they are, then that there should be an emotional relational separation. Yeah. But I think it was built into like most cultures have a coming of age ceremony or a coming of age something, and I and I feel like our culture unofficially does have ways of coming of age. You know, like now you can drink and now you can go to parties right. and, and yeah. now, you know, you can go to prom and have a now girlfriend. Now you can make your and, own decisions because you're 18 or not. But within evangelicalism, all those things were systematically cut out. And yeah. there is no plan for you to become an adult because you're not supposed to. That's true. In a way. It's pretty much when you get married. But even then, yeah. even then, it's like, it's not like it's natural that once you say your vows in front of the preacher that suddenly your parents will leave you alone <laughs> well, well it's it's skipping something it's it skipping adolescence it's as though you go from being a child that is 
completely tied into the decision-making capacity of your parents. They make all the decisions for you. So, so that part of your brain is not activated. You're not making your own decisions. You're just following commands. You're a private in your own army. You're not the general. And then you get married and it's like, all right, Johnny, you're on your own. Well, hold on a second. How do I make decisions? It's not a natural progression. It's it's and it's not. I mean, by that time, you're already kind of like you should be 13 and, and gradually learning how to make decisions instead of yeah. jumping in. Now you got to support somebody. Now you you know, you're at an important stage of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So all in all, having a son turn 13 today was pretty interesting process this week yeah. <laughs> processing that and just being like yeah <laughs> this so was we not know, done well we know what we don't want to do <laughs> yes this is not done well and for me to be excited that he turned 13 that excites me mm-hmm. because I dreaded it so much for my my own life and I feel like if I hadn't worked through a lot of the stuff this past year I would be dreading it mm. for my own kid's life because it's seen as negative, you know. Mm. But now I'm excited. I'm excited. I want him to have the opportunity to be a teen mm-hmm. that I never was able to. Mm-hmm. And if he chooses to do it super quietly, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine too, because, you no, know, that's more his personality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just, yeah, to just be able to support him and just gradually give him more freedom and more independence and... And just watch him figure out who he is. Yeah. That's exciting. It is exciting. I'm excited to find out who he is. Yeah. As an adult. Yep. Very exciting. And it's exciting to see kids grow up. So there's hope. Our younger kids will someday be more independent. (laughs) (laughs) Less just making messes around the house. Mom, mom, mom. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to our rambling and join us for more podcasts in the future. Goodbye.